0: super 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 excited because we're kicking off a new series today uh called join the story and it it is it's uh i i uh, told the team earlier uh, i'm not sure it's one of those series like i've been planning and studying and i just got back from turkey and so there's like all this fresh stuff in my head so i'm pretty sure this is going to be anywhere from between a six week uh, to a 52 week series i'm not sure yet Somewhere in between. Uh, No, seriously. Like this is just. I've. uh, This is going to be a uh, kind of who we are. So, uh, man, I'm excited. Wasn't last week awesome? Come on, wasn't last week just amazing? Our kids team did awesome. Our everybody. I loved. So I flew back from Turkey. I flew back in on Saturday um, mid morning, and uh, I walked in, and everything was done. I literally got up and was. All I had to do was preach, and so it was. It was awesome. Our team did an amazing job. And what was really cool is we had every, from every area of our ministry. So sometimes you, you, it's real easy in churches to get in your silo, like I'm an usher, or I'm, uh, I do a kids ministry, or I'm on the worship team. Every area of our church was involved in telling our kids that they are valuable, that they are the church of today, and God's doing something awesome in them. Amen? So real quick, so uh, how many like the mimes? the mime is hilarious. The, the best part is, so he was a mime last week, and this week he's leading worship. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, I love I love what God is doing. So, um, man, I'm I uh, I'm super excited, so let's do this. I need to welcome in those over at the jail campus, those online, those that are uh, watching on Facebook. You guys are part of our church family, especially, hey, you guys over at the jail campus, men women, we're so glad you're part. Come on, church, welcome them in. So we, we we uh the last couple of weeks we have had issues with uh, recording and so we've kind of upped our game and uh, did a little investing and uh Pastor Corey's making sure we got stuff ready for them so now you guys are, are right in with us and we're starting a new series so it's perfect so um how, how many go ahead um go if you have a bible uh go ahead and open it um if you or turn it on however you want to work it uh <laughs> uh i'm going to be going into scripture I, I going to turkey uh so it's one of those, it was on my bucket list, so I I turn 40 next week, uh, two weeks, so so September 11th, great birthday, you know, Uh, I turned 40, and it's one of those, like, kind of those milestone birthdays, anything that seems to end with a zero, or a four, or five, not a five, but uh, uh, yeah, like, these are, like, celebration moments, and so I've been, Turkey was on one of my, I wanted to go and study the letters of Paul, specifically. And so I got that, something while I was there, I, I got ignited within me a, a, a love for the word of God. And it wasn't that I'd gone some, down some dark path or was morally messed up or anything like that. I, I, I spend my life studying the Bible, but so sometimes you miss out. So this series is going to be co- coinciding with that spark and my hope and my desire is that you grab hold of it and go along with me on this desire to know the word of God and to join his story. And so this is, I'm really, really, really excited about it. And um, so we, we, let's jump in. Uh, and, well, I wasn't going to do this, but go ahead, throw Genesis chapter 1 up. I, I've been messing with her, uh, our, our uh, young lady that does, she does awesome. Uh, but so the, here we are, uh, Genesis 1. Let's just, if we're going to go study some Bible, let's, let's go right at the beginning. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and the darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and he called the darkness night, and the evening passed, and the morning came, marking the first day. So as soon as, we, as, soon as you jump into reading the Bible, it's kind of confusing, isn't it? And it immediately opens debates, because here on the first page of the Bible is some of the biggest debates that you'll get into, like what, the, the foundation of the earth. How was the earth created? Evolution versus creation. Uh, how, how about the, the creation of man? or Do we come from monk? All that immediately jumps out, and that's usually the only time we read this scripture is when we get in debates about this. And, and, and here's, here's the truth, is when you get into the Bible, what happens is we let's be honest the bible is a hard thing to understand isn't it like it's not easy to read uh it's got language some of you have are reading a translation that your parents told you you need to read you got it as a as a baby dedication bible what are, somehow you got this bible and it's got a lot of these and thous and it's just it's it's hard and and he, he, there's some ways that we approach the bible that has has made it harder um what like in your notes there i kind of have five or three bad ways that we come uh to the word of god so the first the bad way that we come to the word of god is that we come to it and we're confused by it so it's like i was saying like you read that you're confused by it you i I had uh, uh, a meet with a couple guys during the week and uh, one of them i was meeting with this past week and we were talking about how he's uh, got into the Word of God and he's studying it and he's really enjoying it and how much uh, he was doing de- like devotional Bible readings. Uh, if you have uh, the uh, Bible app, um, great. Uh, the Life Church puts out a great Bible app. It's got all kinds of Bible reading plans and so he was going through like topical ones and then he's like, you know what, I'm just going to dive in. I'm going to go front to end. I'm going to start and I'm going to go and he's like, man, it was going so good till I got to Leviticus and it, it makes no sense. And, I, and we, that's, we all kind of get there. We, you get confused by it. And then, uh, then we throw into the fact that sometimes we get, we'll read something in the Bible, and then it doesn't match up with society. Or society says that's no longer what it is. Or you even hear people like, well, that's not, that doesn't apply to us today. And you're like, well, what does and what doesn't? And It's confusing. So we were confused by it. Another way that we come to the Bible in a bad way is that we get bored by it. Part of that is you're bored by it because you have um, you you get confused by it. That's caused some of the boredom of it. The other one is let's be. There's some of you in here that you've been reading the Bible since you were. Just able to read. You, you've heard all the Bible stories. You've read them. You've reread them. You've heard them preached six different ways this Sunday. You you have you know you you think you've got it, and you kind of gotten bored by it. I, I, that's you know my I have a uh, I'm going to change you on this. I, I promise. Over the next however long this series is, I'm going to really push on this issue for you because if, this is. I have a degree in theological studies. I have a master's degree. So I like spent years upon years upon years studying the Bible, and I go to Turkey, and it's within moments of us beginning our study there, that I'm like, what? That's in the Bible? Wait, like that? And so, like, I just want to kind of mess with you a little bit and let you know you shouldn't be bored by it. Uh, Another reason, and this is one, one that breaks my heart, and really part of the reason why we started Authentic Church, is some of you have been abused by the Bible. You've been abused by someone coming up to you and saying, well, by God, the word of God says, you are going to hell. And you're like, uh, why would I want to read something that's sending me to hell? Why do, I, why do I read something that's telling me my life is wrong and everything about what I'm doing is, is messed up? And so you you get into this, uh, this why, why, why would I read something? And, and, and a lot of times it's not people that have intentionally abused you with it, but they were just trying to help you and say, hey, your life's going the wrong direction, you need to kind of change it, and... Or maybe it was intentionally. You got beat up and you, the Bible was used as a club against you. So sometimes we approach the Bible. And so I want to help us in this. I, wanna, I want us to get away from the bad approaches to the Bible. I want to I help us get to a better way. But there are some good ways that aren't perfect. So Have you ever heard saying sometimes we're robbed of the great because of the good? And I think in this setting... There's a lot of you that are using the Bible in good ways, but you're missing out on the greatest way. So here, here's a couple of ways that we use it in a good way. One, we use it as kind of like a motivational grab bag. Like that that you need a you need a good scripture for that moment. You're going you're going through some difficult times, so you jump into it. You gotta grab, you know, I I need a scripture that'll help me in this moment. And you you go into the Bible and you take a scripture and you pull it out and you're like, there it is. Uh, and and a lot of times it, it's not wrong that we do that but uh we use you end up using scripture improperly i'll give you a great example of this my kids we, we have a couple things that we say on the way to school that kind of keep us get us focused on the day, and uh one of those things is you know we're mcdonald's what's that mean we're christians leaders polite and kind striving for excellence that's kind of our family motto and uh and then another one i'll say is philippians four thirteen says i can do There's a lot of you that know that one, right? Because that's a good verse to put on, on, on a moment, right? Like, I, I remember as a high school uh, track, I, I put on my track spikes, Philippians 4.13. And why did I put it on my spikes? Because I was like, I can do all things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat everybody else in the ground with this scripture. Because God loves when I beat people and I shove it in their face, right? That's what... <laughs> Well, we we use it in going for the championship. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, we use it for success. You know, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna make a, a million dollars by the time I'm forty. I'm far away from that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, I need I need to get through this next uh, this next tests, but so I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We use the scripture and we love it and we it's a great one, right? We put it on magnets and we put it on bumper stickers. The problem is we don't really look at the context. The, just think about the context there for a second. Paul is writing in that moment uh, about how, one, he's, uh, uh, he's most likely in jail, and he's telling them, hey, I've been through really good times, and I trusted God. And I've been really through some really bad times, and I trusted God. Oh, and I got beat and I trusted God. I I was shipwrecked, and I trusted God. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It has nothing to do with us being successful in the event that we're living in. It has to do with us being content in the circumstances we're living in. Great scripture, just misused. So we can use, it's a good thing, Motivation, because the Bible is used as motivation. It is to say, hey, you can be equipped by the Word of God. You can be empowered by the Word of God. And it's motivational, but sometimes we can use it as a good and not get the great. Another way that we can kind of come to the good is we use it as behavioral modification. Behavioral modification is is one of those ways that we we use it to, uh, (laughs) um, and this is why some of you got abused by it, because somebody said, that's wrong. Here's where it is in Scripture, therefore. And, and the Bible does have some principles that we, if we live by them, are we would walk in a better way. Principles that are in the Word of God that would strengthen us and equip us. So it's not that it's not there. It's just that that's not the point of the Bible. Another way that we use it is for education. Theological education. Um, this is where I'm personally, how I approach the Word of God for some 25 years of my life, maybe longer, was all going towards, I have a beliefs. I therefore need to know the Bible so I can prove my beliefs by, by Scripture. And so I know Scripture really well so I can go, look how smart I am. You're not. I'm smarter. <laughs> and we use it as an educational. And again, that's not bad by itself because it is there to learn from. It's, we need, there's no other way to know God except through his word. So it is supposed to be educational. But the greatest way that we can go to the word of God is by understanding that it is not primarily for motivation, for behavior modification, or for education, but it is God's story. It is God's story. Let me show you. In Genesis chapter 1, it starts off with, "...in the beginning." Now, what other books have you seen? What does that sound like? That the Hebrew there is what what'll be equivalent to our once upon a time. There was a moment when this all began. That's why the, the, the message opener has that quote there. Uh, it's actually Pixar's uh, framework for creating a great story. But one day, everything changed. And so it all happened once upon a time. It was beginning. Then they were doing this every day, every day. And then this happened, and it changed everything. Jesus, God, is coming to us in Scripture and says in the beginning, once upon a time, this happened. And they did this every day, but then something happened. Uh, I know, look, let's look at the, if you don't believe me, let's look at the end of what we know as the Bible. The Revelation chapter 22, verse 5 so there's a little bit of prologue after this. So if you're in a physical Bible, you'll notice there's some words after this. It's kind of like the prologue. I, I'm, I'm thanking those that are in Scripture. Don't forget this. But this is the end of the narrative, and it says, and there will be no light there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. The end. A, I mean, this is an epic narrative. An epic narrative. There's some uh, examples of epic narratives that we, we can look at in Scripture, but there's, this is a story in the Bible. So what I want to do is to help you understand some things better is I, I want you to understand that there's some context that we're missing out on. That we're missing out on some things that we, we need to look at better and, and understand in, in Scripture where we're at. So the bottom line is When we value God's story, and here's the point of this series. If you get nothing else out of this series, is that you need to understand this. When we value God's story, then we can value our role in His story. Get, Get it? A little play on the words there. His story. So we have to understand and value His story before we can go and understand our role in history. And this is where I love, I love where our church has come from. I love where we've grown through. But I want to make sure that we're known as a group of people who are in love with the word of God. Not because we use it to beat other people up. Not because we have used it to show how good we've got it or how much we know. But because it is our God's story and we're so in love with it. I want to send that spark onto you. I want you to get so in love with this. Because I love, I love, man, our worship is awesome, isn't it? Yes, our worship is tearing up. But I don't want to be a church known just for great worship. Especially if our worship isn't rooted in the word. I, 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 want, to, I, want, I, I want to be a church that has our students and our kids thriving and being used in ministry. But I don't want to be just known for a young church. I want to be a church that has awesome worship, great kids' ministry, and, above all else, is loving the Word of God because it's a story. And we want to be a part of it. So, how many, how many of you ever watched uh, Lord of the Rings? How many of you, the trilogy, Lord of the Rings? Like, I don't, you need to, number one, read the book. It's a J.R. Tolkien amazing trilogy. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice little chunk to read, but read it. It's awesome. Uh, but but having a, if, if you've ever watched it, you, wouldn't, if you, you would know that you don't watch the second movie without first watching the first one. Because if you start on the second movie, you, you, like you, when you watch, I love the Marvel Universe, but you can watch uh, uh, end game, uh, Avengers Endgame and get the gist of it without watching Iron Man. Now, if you watch Iron Man, it's going to help you understand some pieces, but you can you can watch it alone. You cannot watch the second movie of Lord of the Rings because it begins with them like all these characters running in all kinds of different directions, and you're like, what is happening? You don't know who they are. You don't know what's going on. You can't even back. To, you can't even watch the middle of the the, uh, the Lord of the Rings of uh, the first movie if you miss the first 10 minutes, because in the first 10 minutes, it gives you thousands of years of time frame that's happening in this mythological world which is really cool, and then you, then you go from there into the story. See, when you have the beginning wrong, you'll never figure out the middle, and you definitely won't understand the victory that you have in the end. So, so here's where we're—today, we're, we're going to begin Genesis chapter 1. I want to show you how valuable context is. Now, here's what I want you to do. i want going to try, try a little thing out. I want everybody—I'm going to read this first scripture to you again. But this time, I want every, everybody to close your eyes. And I want you, with your mind's creative art abilities, to picture what is happening as I read this. So as I read this, here's, I want you to picture it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, "Let there be light, and there was light." And God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day and the darkness night." And the evening passed and the morning came marking the first day. Okay, open your eyes. What did you picture? What, what, in your mind's eye, what did you see in that moment? And it, anybody want to help me out, like real quick, like, just shout it out what, what you saw. So hovering over the water, Jesus hovering over the water, is that what she said? Her- light, okay, good, I like it, light, yep, okay. He saw the earth, okay, saw the earth, uh, how many of you saw this, something along these lines, Sorry. so you saw kind of the, the globe, right, and we, and the question is, why did you think of a globe and light shining around it? Because in the first sentence, it said, and the heavens and the earth, and immediately, you put globe. Now, the problem is, this is written thousands of years before we understood what a globe was. See, the first satellite picture that we ever got was in 1960, and it looked like that. So the idea of a globe appearance of the earth is a modern idea. So what do we do, what do we do? And I've set you all up, so I'm sorry. But we, we we immediately took the first verse of the Bible and immediately took it from its context and dropped it into ours, when that wasn't what was what they were seeing at all. There was no concept of a globe. What the, the heavens and earth in the Hebrew context would have looked like this: heavens, earth. That's it. You can look all throughout the Old Testament, and any time it's referenced in heavens, it's talking about the sky. And any time it's talking about the earth, it's talking about the ground. And so when you see this, we picture, we put into context, and here's where I I, want to help you throughout this. I'm going to do a lot of uh, teaching. I'll be honest, I like to preach. (laughs) I like to get a little going. I like when you guys are like, amen. Yeah, I like all that. Some of you, I'm, I'm breaking that out of you. You're starting to respond. But over this series, I've really got a renewal to help you to teach in this in, through this. Because here's I can preach, and, and I can motivate you for about 45 minutes. Because by the time you've got out of this parking lot, got your lunch, you're already ready to cuss someone else again. <laughs> you're laughing because it's true. Okay? <laughs> But if I teach, I can help you motivate yourself throughout the week, that you can dive into the Word and understand that you can grab this as much. So the context, and I'm going to be walking through this is, there's, uh, uh, in all this, is that we, we miss out by picking pieces and, and debating and bringing things into our context. We miss out on things. It'd be kind of like if we were, uh, if we were to go to the... Uh, L- Lever, Lever, and look at the paintings. Is that what it's called? Louvre? Is it, Huh? Louvre? Something. Whatever. It's French. And I am not French. <laughs> what, how do you say it? The Louvre? That's it? Okay, that's easy. I was trying to make it way too hard. Louvre. Uh, <laughs> it's just the Louvre. I, I go to the Louvre every day. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> keep going, Josh. Okay. <laughs> The, uh, you go there, and you look at the Mona Lisa. Now, I have a picture of the Mona Lisa. There she is. And, and the, you know that you can Google this. Don't do it now, but Google later. There's all kinds of debates about the Mona Lisa, like wh- who she was and why she was picked as the, the, the model and all these, what kind of paintbrush was used. And here's the one where I'm stuck on. Why doesn't she have eyebrows? Like, why? why? She, that's weird, isn't it? Like, Somebody, come on. Like did he not finish the job? Or okay, anyways. So there's all these debates, but what can happen is you get so focused on the debates of bringing it into our context that we never stop back and just enjoy it. So when you go to the word of God, I want you to go and understand it in the in its context. And so there's a couple things uh I got, I got a little graph up there. The, gra- the do you have that up there? It's, uh, there, there, there it is. When you when you study scripture, and this is uh, from Brad Gray, walkingthetext.com. Uh, he he gives us. If you go there, he has a great book uh, on there. It's an ebook. It's free. It's called uh, the number one mistake people make when they read the Bible, and it has to do with this. And it's like seventy pages. Great book. Read it. And he talks about that when you read scripture, you need to understand a couple of the contexts. Historical, cultural, geographical, visual, linguistic, and literary. So when you go to scripture, you need to grab at least one to two of these in context. Because what we do is we, we just skip over it. Looking at the world and thinking it's a globe. When he wasn't talking about a globe, he was talking about sky and earth. So we put this in our understanding. So when you go there and you, you can read through this, I want to show you in Genesis chapter 1, real quick, how we can figure out how to walk through this, and then how, once we understand it, the context it's in, then apply it to our lives. So, Genesis chapter 1, it says the heavens and the earth, we have already discussed that. It said, then it says that, that, it, that the earth was without form and void, or it was formless and empty. In the Hebrew, that word is tohu vahu, formless and empty, literally means desert, wild, or waste. So again, now you gotta go to this, you gotta understand this is a a Hebrew author writing to Hebrews about the creation of the earth. He was not going to the 21st century and having a discussion of versus creation versus evolution. It wasn't in his concept, he wasn't even thinking about it. He was simply trying to communicate something. Now let's figure out what he's trying to communicate. He says the earth was without form, and it was void or empty. So the, the scripture would literally say it was desert, wild, Way this. And then it said, then he hovered over the deep waters. The Hebrew there is Tihum, which would mean a cosmic waters of chaos. Here's what's beautiful about this. When you understand that it is a Hebrew who is about to go into the promised land, and he looks at the promised land, and he's saying, I can see where I'm at in the promised land, and I'm writing this scripture from this point of view. I want to show you a map of what he was looking at. He was looking, there's Israel, the promised land, piece of green right there. On the, this side is the thing that they would have called a tohu, a wilderness. A desert, and on the other side would have been what they would have called a tehum, a chaotic water. What the picture he's showing them is in the midst of chaos on one side and chaos on the other. God is bringing forth order, and he's communicating this to the, to his uh, to his audience. He's saying, "Hey, look at how what, what's going on. There's all this chaos in the world, and on one side there's a place where it's hard to live. Like, you don't go out in the ocean and spend much time." You you just, that's not a place for humans to live very long. And you don't go out in the desert, and you don't live there very long, because it's not very inhabitable for us. But in the midst of that, God is bringing forth order out of chaos. He's saying, he's walking them through this, and he's saying, hey, I want to show you how you are walking into something there. And then he says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, where does light come from? Not not this light. This light is uh, coming from an electric source. This is derivative light. Where, where do we get light from? Sun. The sun's not created yet. He didn't say, and God said, let there be a sun, photons, energy. He said, let there be light. There's a parallel in Revelation. We read it earlier. I don't have enough time to go back into all this. The parallel is saying the source is what? God. It's God. He is the source of the light. But he's coming forth, and he says, let the light be called sun, photon. No, he says, let the light be called day. In the beginning, God starts off by saying, I am creating out of chaos order. Let me show you. The first three days, we want to break them into days of creation, and what the problem is, that you go to the very next chapter, and there's a re- a, a, another account of how creation is made, and in the first account, it's animals and humans. In the second account, it's humans than animals. So is the Bible wrong, or are we just trying to get something out of it that they're just trying to communicate? Watch what he's doing. The linguistic cult, uh, context here is beautiful. It's all laid out for us if we just take a moment to read it. He starts off by saying, I'm going to create the environment, heaven, the time. I'm going to create the space, and then later, uh, th- then he says, then I'm going to create the space or the environment of ski and s- uh, sky and sea, and then I'm going to create the environment of agriculture, vegetation. And then he comes back around and parallels it and says, and then you will see that there's the stars that go in the inhabitants, the occupants of the space, which give us the ability to measure time. Then he says, I want to, I'm going to fill that space, the environment, with fish and birds. The occupants of the space. And then he says, I'm going to create the space, and then I'm going to bring it in, animals and man, and put them in that space. See, God's always creating the the environment, or God created the environments and then the occupants. It's not trying to teach us the order of creation. He's trying to teach us that God creates an environment for us to thrive in. I'm going to create an environment for you to thrive in. What happens in this? In verse 26 of Genesis 1, it says that God said to man, I'm going to put you over this. I'm going to create you in my image, and you're going to rule over this space. And I've created a space for you to thrive in. But man makes a choice, and he manages the space horrible. He makes this moment where he chooses between two vegetations, the tree of knowledge of good and evil versus the tree of life. And eats from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In that moment, the management of, the, of what the space that God had given to man is messed up. And the Old Testament is all about this chaos that comes from it. It's all chaos, 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 chaos. God's trying to help the people bring back it to the right place to manage it correctly and they keep messing it up. And finally, we get to the New Testament. We get to this man named Jesus. And Jesus steps onto the scene, and he says, hey, guys, <laughs> you've been messing this up for thousands of years. I created this space for you to thrive in, but I'm going to put it under new management. How many of you ever go to have a restaurant that you absolutely love? I, I, I grew, my, my wife and I, we, we loved, she worked for Krabas when we were going, going through college, and I love the fact that she worked at Krabas because I got Leftovers loved it. And I love coming to Karab- like we'd go to Carrabba's and, and then we went to, like a few years ago we went to the Krabas in, in Canton and I was, I was disgusted by it. I was like, come on! This is like, this is what we lived on, this is what we, like, this is how we existed in college. And, and so I was really disappointed but I didn't say burn the place down no, I said this place needs new management. Went there a couple weeks ago and uh, got a gift card, and I was all ready, and I was kind of like, uh, ah, well, you know, at least it's free. It's not going to be good, but it's going to be free. <laughs> you guys know? So I go, I, I go in there, and we sit down, and I ordered a, 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 it don't matter what I ordered, it was delicious, and now I'm hungry, so let's, I got to finish up. So, <laughs> so I said, man, I ordered it, and it came out, and it was amazing, and I asked, what, man, what's, And the waitress told us, it's, well, about three months ago, we got new management. We got new management. See, this is what Jesus does. He comes into a situation that we have mismanaged as human beings. As man, we've messed it up and caused what God brought from chaos to order. We've turned back into chaos. And Jesus comes on the scene. He says, I'm going to put it under new management. And I'm going to give you my spirit So that you're able to manage, not so that someday you'll go to where I'm at and have a great time. No, he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. I want you to bring peace and shalom to this earth. I need you to start managing like I manage. But you got to have my spirit to do it. you got to be equipped to do it. So all, all of this is to understand that God is trying to communicate to us from the very beginning... What is chaotic, I bring order to. Now how about your life? You're, you don't have to raise your hand right now. Don't even, don't even do the little twitch. Don't elbow your wife. You feel like your life might be a little chaotic? You feel like it might be a little mismanaged, out of control, like, you, like you're not able to, to keep moving forward today? It's an opportunity for you to put it under New management, to give your life to Christ. That's why he came, to say, I want to put you under new management. You have a choice, just like Adam and Eve. Are you going to make a choice to trust in your own decisions and eat from the tree of life, uh, of of knowledge of good and evil? are you going to make a choice to trust me and eat from the tree of life? Today you have that opportunity. You have that day, that opportunity every day. Which tree are you going to eat from? Which choice are you going to make from? Are you going to trust God? put under yourself under his management, or are you going to try to manage yourself? Lord Jesus, Lord, I pray right now that we're able to step into a position of <laughs> trusting you. Lord, right now in this, this moment, and as we look at our own lives of what may be chaotic at times, we're able to say, God, come into my life. I'm going to place it under your management. Lord, we thank you that we're able to do this because you died on the cross for our sins and you resurrected anew that we can follow after you. Lord, in Jesus' name, we follow after you in Jesus' name. Amen.